Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Hey there, it's your friendly neighborhood, Doug. I just wanted to let you know that at the beginning of this podcast, you'll hear a little bit of crackling and rustling on my end. That's my fault, my mistake. I'm an idiot and was using the wrong mic, but I do catch on about 10 minutes in, switch mics, and fix that problem. So thank you for putting up with my mistake. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks for all of your support. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling, tingling, tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every single Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Yes, it is. To listen to this show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. How's it going, Derek? It's going good. Uh, going good on my end. I had a boring day today, the first one in a long time where I didn't really actually have <laughs> anything to do other than this, which is... <laughs> Very weird for me, because I always usually keep myself busy, so that's nice. Yeah. I feel like you've had a big day today, right? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I've had a lot going on. I uh, it, it got good work news. That's exciting. I ate cake and fast food today, which is <laughs> dope. Um, and uh, yesterday, or was it yesterday or the day before? I don't know. I, uh, I read a bunch of comic books, which I hadn't done in a really long time, so it was nice to like get through a stack of comic books. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's relevant to what we're doing here right now. So there you go. That's cool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have two episodes we're talking about today, still from Spider-Man, the animated series. Uh, we're talking about uh, episode two of the first season, the Spider Slayer, and then episode three, Return of the Spider Slayers, plural. <laughs> back to back, uh, guys. Lots of suspense. <laughs> it's Spider Slayers, plural, even though only one is actually returning. So yeah, hope somebody got fired for that blunder. Yeah, we mentioned in our in our very first episode that uh, the Spider Slayers stuff was specifically something uh, that would be. I don't know, discussed heavily <laughs> due yeah. to uh, how it was forced onto the show and who liked it and who didn't. So uh, get ready for a ride. <laughs> yep. There's some general information about the Spider Slayers, too, we can kind of jump into before we dive deeply into the episodes themselves. These, I mean, they're spider robots, so, like, they're perfect for <laughs> toys. I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> so, so in a lot of interviews, we've referenced interviews with John Semper, the story editor, many times, because he's very open about the show. This is one of those things that he's, like, super-duper open about not liking. Yep. Um, he calls the designs of the sli- spider slayers hideous, um, which I don't... I, I get where he's coming from. I don't totally agree with him, but I get it. They're very bulky and obviously made for toys. And 
as they're introduced very early into the show. And that was because they were supposed to be part of the first wave of toys from Toy Biz. So these are things that I think that Semper himself wasn't particularly passionate about, but was kind of forced upon him. And I think he did really well. Like, I think he did uh, like a good job with it for considering he apparently wasn't into it. But um... (laughs) (laughs) I think he did the best he could. (laughs) I think so, too. Just some interesting tidbits about the Spider Slayer stuff. There was, in addition to the three that we see in these episodes, there was another Spider Slayer called the Alien Spider Slayer. I think that was in the comics, too, um, or Mark X. Um, and that one, it has a really cool kind of like Xenomorph looking design. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a robot or an Android or whatever, but um, that was designed for the show. Um, they made a toy out of it that you can look up. But uh, it was axed from the actual show, which uh, it probably would have been... In- it, that would have been interesting to actually see on this show, because I'm sure it would have been odd to animate that. Yeah, and there's <laughs> there's a lot going on with Spider Slayers in general, because there's something like 25 of them over the course of the series of comics. Like, I think um, this this uh, alien version, or whatever, Alien Spider Slayer is given a designation of, like, Mark 10 or something. Yeah. The comics goes into, like, Mark 25. <laughs> like, <laughs> they just keep happening. And they're, they're introduced very early on in the comic series, but, but very differently than these ones are. It's a lot of, like, sort of um, retro-futurist robot-type things. Yeah. Um, as opposed to big spiders. I think there are, at, cer- at certain points, big spiders, but... Um, very sort of, you know, 60s style future robots. That was something that I was actually surprised about because I'm sure I knew it. Like, I'm sure I'd read about it when I was reading about the Spider-Man stuff, but I'm pretty sure I've never read a single comic that had a spider slayer in it. And I just had it in my head that these seemed like very 80s or 90s things. Like, I was I was almost surprised when I was just doing like a little bit of background research when we were doing this episode that like, mm-hmm. oh no, these have literally been around since the 60s. These were written by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> so. Spider Slayer is like a much more like badass name than a lot of those robots really like evoke. Like, in your mind. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, I think for like the very first Spider Slayer is like, uh, is it, I don't, I get the living brain and the original Spider Slayer mixed up a lot. But I think the original Spider Slayer is on, like, ball wheels and, like, doesn't really have joints. It just sort of has, like, a round head. Like, Slayer is a pretty hardcore word (laughs) for what it actually was. Um, But I really like the designs. Like, if you haven't seen them, you should definitely go back and look at the original Spider Slayer designs. um, Because they're just so, they're so wacky. I I love it. I almost wish that in some way they had made their way into this, but it would have made no sense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that, like, I love that kind of, yeah, that sort of, like you said, like, retro, retro future kind of design or that Mm -hmm. aesthetic. (laughs) Um, well, and, and that Alien Spider Slayer 2, it is, in addition to being in the toy line, it was also featured in the um, Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis game that was somewhat based, I think it was technically based on the show, I don't know if the continuity and stuff matches up with it or whatever, but they use all the same designs. I never played that game. I don't know if you did. But. I didn't, and I, I wonder if there... I should have looked this up. I wonder if there's a way to get it in, like, a retro package or anything, um, yeah. or if it's packaged with anything else, because I would love to play that. Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to check it out, too. It probably is, is fun. I'm sure there's ways to get it illegally, but... <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Um, I told you that story last week. I know. <laughs> Already outed yourself as a criminal. Now they're going to be looking even harder. I know. Very careful. First comics, now video games. <laughs> and this first episode we're going to discussing, too, a kind of interesting thing about it is that this wasn't the original second episode. Um, this was technically aired out of order. The uh, Sting of the Scorpion, which aired as the sixth. 
was originally like was actually written to be the second episode and produced as the second episode i would have never guessed that just based on watching these episodes because these seem to be really good like second and third episodes like we'll we'll get into but just the way that introduce everything i remember literally nothing about the scorpion episode so i'll be interested going into that i'll be interested going into that if there is any like continuity stuff that affects this one but that always that kind of stuff always interests me because that's a network thing that I think has kind of gone out of style now since everything is a lot more linear in TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but back when things were episodic, like networks would just be like, um, this episode has more action in it. So we're just going to make it earlier to hook people. Even if that's not what you want as a creator, because creator, you know, what you want doesn't matter. So, <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anything from these two episodes that felt out of place, but it will be interesting to see what might have made either more sense or would have been introduced earlier or, you know, something to that degree. Yeah. So want to just jump right into this first episode or I guess the second episode then? <laughs> yeah. The first of two episodes. <laughs> the first of two episodes. Yeah, that's a better Yeah. Word. This, this episode, the second episode of the series introduces a metric butt ton of characters that we will see throughout the series um so many so that i was like do i do i include them all do i like how do i do this um as i was just like going through the imdb page and so we'll we'll touch on some of them and then there will be other characters that you'll realize we didn't mention that we'll we'll get to eventually you know we'll we'll talk about them but one of the biggest ones introduced um in this episode or at least one that i think is one of the biggest ones is felicia hardy is introduced in this episode pretty casually like she just she's just there (laughs) like as if we always knew who she was there's a little bit introductory stuff but she's there um and she's voiced by jennifer hale of i put mass effect fame um, but she's in tons and tons of stuff. I just figured, you know, Derek, you're a, you're a Mass Effect yeah. fan. I figured you oh, could yeah. talk a little bit about that. <laughs> she's fabulous in it. And that's a, if you have to pick between the two genders offered to you in the Mass Effect, the original Mass Effect trilogy, she's, I would argue, she's definitely the superior actress yep. of the two. <laughs> if you're going by voice acting, I would say yeah. a femme chef for sure. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but she has a very i i love i love jennifer hale's voice because it is very recognizable and very powerful mm-hmm. but she still still has a really great range so i mean you 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 compiled a, a few of the things that she's done like in the iron man show from the uh, from the 90s that was airing around the same time as this show was i think it came on upn i want to say so but she voiced a, a few voices including spider woman which, which i don't even remember i don't either i, I watched iron watch... man and oh, i don't really re- yeah and i don't remember spider woman being in it but i definitely didn't watch iron man as obsessively as i watched spider man or you know the batman superman adventures or however they you know packaged all those things but i definitely sure. watched iron man and i just i have no recollection of that it's possible too that at the time i didn't really know spider woman and therefore just didn't retain spider woman because i'm assuming this is jessica drew spider woman yeah if i re- i don't remember i i watched like a little bit of the show but when it was running in reruns later on yeah um, i feel like it was jessica drew but specifically in the black spider outfit oh okay hmm. which that was Je- jessica drew wore jessica she wore that one right she wore the black and white outfit didn't she or was that the second the second uh, i think i don't remember oh this is embarrassing i think she did because it's a very similar suit to her own but i i think she did i don't know someone yell at us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's definitely a blind spot uh, <laughs> Um, but among other things, she's also had some uh, minor appearances in other Spider-Man shows and games. Interesting one is she reprises a role as Black Cat in the PlayStation 
uh, PlayStation 1 2000 Spider-Man game. Oh. Um, I think it was also on N64 too, but I played it on PS1, so that's all yeah. that matters. Um, she replies her role Black Cat as Black Cat, and she also plays Mary Jane in that game. So she has a dual oh, role Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And she's she's good because she does them pretty differently. Mary Jane only has a small role in that game anyway, so sure. it doesn't really matter. But Felicia Hardy in this series is so etched into my brain. There's just something about the way that she talks that is is never ever going to escape like the crevices of my brain <laughs> yeah i so feel distinct. like it really is and it's probably a thing that's going to be recurring throughout this show with sure. many characters but yeah <laughs> for her especially because i mean yeah it, it is a very distinct voice that she has she's also done other things which is such a long list of stuff for her she's also done um things across dc properties like justice league batman brave and the bold um and justice league unlimited and just like a billion other things um, yeah has nearly 400 credits on IMDb, which is crazy. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and just in uh, in terms of Felicia Hardy, the character, um, this is interesting because I think in, in the comics, it's always been focused on her as Black Cat. Like, we never really saw Felicia pre-Black Cat at any point. Um, so this show was, was, was interesting in, in taking it from that angle. And what Semper has said is that she was really meant to be a substitute for Gwen Stacy. Um, he basically says, if I had put Gwen in the series, then either, either Gwen had to die, or if she stayed alive, we wouldn't really be true to the comic books. And since I couldn't kill anybody in the first season of a Saturday morning TV show, and you'd have to kill her off within a few episodes to get to Mary Jane, there was no point in bringing Gwen into the series at all, um, which I took some issue with how that's kind of, uh, that's a little bit problematic, but yeah. um, <laughs> like a lot, but not I, great. yeah, um, but there's uh, that's just so much baggage with, with Gwen Stacy as a character and how she's viewed and written and stuff like that but it was the 90s, I guess yeah. <laughs> um, so Felicia <laughs> was basically brought in as a replacement for Gwen and um, he decided to give her a very distinct and kind of haughty that kind of upper class spoiled personality because he thought it would make her a nice foil for Peter, um, which I can get behind that. I think that was actually a really, a really cool and interesting, interesting decision to make. Yeah, for sure. Another uh, character that is introduced in this one that we will continue to see, maybe not a ton. I don't remember exactly how much, but somebody that, you know, if you follow Spider-Man, you know the character. Flash Thompson appears for the first time in this episode. Um, I don't have a ton to say about Flash or his actor because I am realizing I know his actor best from this show. I haven't watched anything else, I don't think, with him. Yeah. Um, he's voiced by an actor named Patrick Labior Labiorto. Lab- I don't know how to say this last name. It's very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yep um but we share a birthday so that's cool what up patrick let's hang out Um, secret twins with flash thompson yeah right but the stuff that that he's been in are just things that i didn't really watch but they're big properties he played a character on little house on the prairie which i just didn't watch i don't know if you ever watched that nope never once in my life (laughs) yeah um he was also in two like over 200 episodes of jag which my mom watched Oh, yeah, I remember that from things that your parents, like, or not your parents, my parents watched, <laughs> and other people's parents watched. You know that great blog that I had where I talked about the things my parents specifically watched. Exactly. Oh, yeah, I know everything about what your parents watched, of course. Um, and then, I mean, he was in a, a number of movies as a younger actor, the only of which I've seen is Heather's, um, but Three Ninjas is one that I recognized. I just haven't seen it. Yeah, same here. I remember Three Ninjas being, I think, like, came out when we were kids maybe uh, yeah in the 90s. Like <laughs> yeah so i yeah remember that same same with me only one i saw was heathers and i 
wouldn't be able to point out who he was. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that I would have would have either. It looks pretty different now. But here's the thing that's most interesting about this actor, because it's a superhero thing. And I didn't know that this show even existed. He was in one episode of the 1970s Shazam television show. <laughs> Had no idea that was a thing. Me neither. <laughs> but it existed. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So that's noteworthy. (laughs) (laughs) Also in this episode, two very recognizable people to the Spider-Man mythos, Harry and Norman Osborn are both introduced in this episode. Uh, Harry is voiced by Gary Imhoff. I'm Hoff, I'm not sure which, and uh, Norman is voiced by Neil Ross. Gary is only, is no, not only, <laughs> Gary is known for voicing Prince Cornelius and Thumbelina, which I vaguely remember that movie, but. Yeah, but not, yeah. not much else. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Neil Ross has conversely been in a lot of stuff, including the Mass Effect Codex reader. He also is basically just been in like every cartoon franchise in the past few decades and um, did things for like G.I. Joe, Transformers, Batman, Ben 10, Pinky and the Brain, many, many other things. So probably one of those voice actors that just kind of pops up in multiple roles all across the board. Yeah, just everywhere. Yeah. Likewise, we also have Kingpin voiced by Roscoe Lee Brown. Um, Kingpin is, of course probably the most recurring villain in this show i think he's very prominent in it Mm -hmm. um and a very 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 prominent and very unique voice yes yeah i love it so much it's so good this is the kind of voice that i wish i had just because there's there's just so much texture in Mm -hmm. roscoe lee brown's voice that i don't know i'm just so jealous of whatever that is (laughs) yeah yeah, and he's very, I mean, it doesn't even matter, like, what the what lines he's saying. Mm-hmm. The, it just always comes with such power and such intimidation. It's really yes. brilliant. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, but that actor, uh, Roscoe Lee Brown, he received a de- daytime Emmy nomination for this role, which is very cool. Yeah. And he also has appeared in many TV series, movies, stage productions, and, of course, is well known for his very distinct voice, which it is, so. Yeah. <laughs> Great casting on their part. Quite a coup, I think. Yeah, it's 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 always impressive to look back on, on who they managed to get and just the, the things that they accomplished. Because, I mean, these, I mean, with a couple exceptions, I suppose. A lot of these <laughs> recurring characters are, are not nobodies, you know, like they, they yeah. are really accomplished actors. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that I'm excited to, I think, actually, I think we talked about this in the first episode, but I'm excited to kind of identify actors that maybe I, I just didn't know of when, when first watching the show. Cause I'm pretty, I think it's, the cast is pretty stacked throughout the show, even in guest roles. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool. So I guess we can go ahead and jump right into this uh, first episode then. Yes! Um, <laughs> so the synopsis per IMDb, and I think also per Amazon, uh, Norman <laughs> Osborn, oh, and I should say this is for episode two, The Spider Slayer. Yes. Um, the synopsis is Norman Osborn hires Spencer Smythe to capture Spider-Man. Smythe releases his deadliest weapon, the Spider Slayer. The original air date was February 4th, 1995. The first episode aired after months of just nothing after uh, after the pilot was aired as a sneak preview. Story was by John Semper, who we know very well, uh, but the script itself was written by Stan Berkowitz, who we also know very well mm-hmm. from the pilot. And I uh, should also say, if you did want to watch this with us, along with us, um, as far as I know, the only place it's available for purchase legally is on Amazon. 
So yes, good luck with that. <laughs> yes, uh, that's what we've been doing. So uh, if you know any other great ways to to watch it, feel free to share with each other. But be legal or whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So this episode opens with uh, some web swinging, as I'm sure many of them do. Uh, And once again, through lots of CGI buildings, um, very, very apparently. So I, I can't believe I didn't remember that from, from this series because it's very prominent, but um, he's web slinging through some CGI buildings and his spider sense sort of alerts him to these explosive drones uh, that are following him around. And pretty quickly we see that those drones are being piloted or monitored. This is going to be a question throughout these two episodes that I have <laughs> the whole way through, uh, but piloted and or monitored by Spencer Smythe, um, who calls these the spider seekers. And we're going to see these spider seekers show up. Um, a few times uh, after this, or at least a couple times after this. I think it's interesting when Spidey first sees them, he was like, like, why is my spider sense going off at these toys? Yeah. But I'm thinking like these toys that are flying like oh, hundreds of feet above the ground. Like what? Yeah. Some toys, I mean... you know, <laughs> some kid down there is just fooling around. <laughs> right. Like drones weren't a thing yet. First of all, I know, I'm even calling them drones, which wouldn't have been in the sort of everyday mainstream lexicon. Right. So they're just sort of like these flying robot bombs. (laughs) (laughs) Flying robot bombs. Yeah. (laughs) Well, after that, we get to Norman Osborn's upset that the Spider Seekers didn't destroy Spidey. But then Smythe reveals his true weapon, the Spider Slayer Black Widow. What do you think of, like, the designs... Well, this only we're only seeing this one robot in this episode. Yeah, we see one, and I think this is for me. Um, I know this jumps ahead a little bit. This is the this is the best designed one of the three in my mind. And I'll I guess we can rank them once we see all of them. But mm-hmm. I don't mind the design. I do think it's a little like fine. It's like a little sort of like I hate to say transformery because I feel like that's like cliche. But I mean, it's like it's a robot spider, you know, like I don't know that there's anything like super exciting about it. I'm more distracted by the fact that in a, you know, Marvel property, they're calling this Black Widow. (laughs) Yeah, that seems like a really weird choice to me. That's the first of two Spider Slayers that have a name that kind of clashes with another Marvel character. Yeah, it's really weird, but they did it. So it ends up being called Black Widow throughout these two episodes. And it's it's fine. I don't know. What do you think? I I agree. Yeah, I think it's that's my favorite among the three, I think. But really just because it's pretty, I mean, it's very straightforward, you yeah. know, like it's not, I guess that's, that's the thing about them. I remember as a kid, not liking the spider slayers. I, I, I remember not liking these episodes in particular, I think. And I think it's just because the spider slayers themselves are real basic, you know? Yeah. I guess it, it, it fits it with the aesthetic of the show. Yeah, it Because does. the show, it's, yeah, the show itself is a lot of like bulky designs and heavy lines and that's what these spider slayers are so it's just not really anything special to him and i'm glad that after these two episodes i feel like they're just kind of out of the way so (laughs) yeah it's like uh it it was a bummer that they had to happen so early but it's also like nice that they get out of the way you know like we don't have to to deal with them later (laughs) exactly so um, the sort of other thing that's happening as as Smythe is trying to destroy Spider-Man with these these new drones and spider slayers and robots and stuff is that uh, Felicia Hardy, who we're introduced to in this episode and this scene, is working with uh, J. Jonah Jameson to host a charity ball. Um, and this crosses with our hero uh, because J. Jonah Jameson, being cheap, doesn't want to hire a fancy photographer and spend more money on this 
huge event. So he sends, at Robbie's request, Peter Parker. (laughs) (laughs) So Felicia Hardy hosting this big event. Peter Parker's going to end up there uh, because he's uh, hired to take pictures. So it all smashes together very early on. (laughs) Yeah, very early on. It's good setup. Um, Yeah, it is actually really good. I think this first episode does a good job inter- inter- uh, twining lots of different things. I totally agree. Yeah, and the other thing, too, that was interesting about this scene is that, like, JJ really doesn't like Peter very much, it seems no. like. I'm very, I mean, and it's it's kind of weird to me. Like, I always, you know, he he's always been kind of a prickly guy in, in every iteration we see of him. But it seems odd for him to actually, like, almost kind of actively not like Peter as a person. I don't, I don't yeah. know what about it. I don't know what about it, like, is off-putting to me. It just seems strange my this is probably sort of problematic but my favorite j jonah jameson is the j jonah jameson where he's kind of a pain in the butt to peter but you can still always tell that he appreciates or likes or even so much as needs peter so there's still at least some underlying warmth or affection or even protectiveness there Right. Like, like you might be a pain in my side, but you're like my pain in my side. Right. And I don't know that we're there yet in this series. I don't know if we get there. I'm excited to see because I don't remember it being uh, I don't remember the disdain quite this clear. Um, Right. But I I don't know. We'll we'll see if that plays out or or if it's something that smooth is or smooths itself out. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested in that too. Yeah, so uh, like you said, we know that Felicia and Peter know each other from college, and they also have a little little flirtation. Um, <laughs> a weird flirtation. <laughs> a weird flirtation. Um, <laughs> and it literally ends with Peter just like standing with his mouth wide open, staring uh, back at her, which I screenshotted and added to the show notes. So it's strange. Face. It's so weird. <laughs> I can confidently say that if, if for some reason you don't watch this episode or don't remember this face just go to our twitter it's up (laughs) it'll it'll be there (laughs) we'll put it up um also this is also the scene where um uh peter's describing photography and he's just like a point and shoot whatever it's it's no big deal and he also says call me mr versatile which Mm -hmm. um keep it like keep it out of the workplace peter Mm -hmm. (laughs) venom's not here yet (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> save it for the grinder profile buddy exactly <laughs> but yeah this is uh this is just sort of like setting everything up in a in a pretty pretty crafty way um so the next thing we sort of see is Smythe putting final touches on the black widow um now that we know it exists um it's almost ready for you know actual use um we learn as it's being put together that there's only really one way to penetrate the Black Widow's armor, um, and that's through this special acid that he's been using to help him put it together. Um, so you can't use normal tools. You have to use this acid to either cut the armor or put holes in it so that you can screw things together. This is actually a really funny scene to me because in this scene, he's literally like dropping acid to make a hole to put a screw in it, but there's no <laughs> indication that he's actually screwing anything together. <laughs> It's just like putting screws in it to put screws in it. That's genius. Just to like, just to show it off. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But we do learn that. So we kind of get a little bit of info on this, this spider slayer. It's got all kinds of different weapons and it's, it's supposed to be able to counter all of Spider-Man's powers um, and be impenetrable. So that's kind of what we learn about it. What's interesting is that Eddie Brock is also there. (laughs) I was like, honestly, like shocked about that. Like that, that 
surprised me. Yeah, it surprised me a lot too. But he's there because he has been working with Smythe, or he's worked out some sort of deal with Spencer Smythe to get the ultimate scoop when the Black Widow Spider Slayer eventually captures Spider-Man. So Eddie Brock has this sort of grudge and wants to to unmask Spider-Man for the ultimate scoop. And for whatever reason, Smythe is like, yeah, let's work together on this. So Eddie Brock is there. (laughs) Yeah, it's, well, there's like a really, really brief kind of throwaway explanation where he's like, well, the media here, with the media here, or no, I don't know if he says it in this scene. It might not be until later on, but I think he tells like Norman or something, like if the media is there watching all this happen, that means that everything is going to go like on the up and up. You're not going to try to sabotage me or betray me because we'll have people recording what's going on. Like as an accountability piece. Exactly, exactly. So it makes sense. It's still, it's kind of weird. Like I, I commend the like integration of all of these kind of disparate yeah. threads together so quickly. So it's kind of weird, but it is, I, I like how, um, how ambitious it is with, with combining so many things so quickly. Well, and one thing that is carrying over from the previous episode is things happen at such a rapid pace that it's not like you stop and think about them for a long time. It's only in the fact that you and I are picking it apart and watching it probably more than once that we're stopping to say like, wait a second, <laughs> like, exactly. remind me why Eddie's there. When I was watching it the first time, I, I I was surprised, but I wasn't stopping to think about it. I was just like, oh, okay, you know? Right. So the pace really does help, I think. I agree. I totally agree. We we kind of get a little bit more of this. Uh, we delve into a little more of an explanation about what's going on um, with uh, Norman Norman leaves. And it's like, well, you you have to trust me based on... Uh, did, wait, did we just talk about that Norman was involved or did we, did we miss that? Not a whole lot. Okay. So basically, Norman, um, at this point, it's not really... Ex- it'll be explained in the scene following this. But at this point, we know Norman is bankrolling uh, what's going on with the explanation that he just thinks Spider-Man's a criminal, wants to kidnap him, whatever. But Smythe is not feeling very trustworthy about him um he says i like this quote i'm glad you put it in the sh- in the show notes um i get a bad feeling any any time uh, i'm butchering this <laughs> i get a bad feeling anytime someone says i have to trust him which is kind of cool because yeah whenever a bad guy tells you you have to trust me that usually does not lead to anything good nope <laughs> so yeah, but uh, Spencer reveals that he's uh, he reveals that he's working with Norman specifically to develop the state of the art wheelchair for Alistair because he's lost loose, the use of his legs in an explosion that uh, Spencer feels responsible for. So, um, lots of really like good complex setup here. Yeah, really like at a really rapid pace, but none of it feels like rushed. Yeah. It's funny, too, because when I was watching the second time, I was like, wait a second. Why doesn't Alistair have the use of his legs? Like, what is that detail? Why is that there? And then they, they do explain it, like, at a very quick, you know, mm-hmm. couple lines that don't make you think too much. Like, oh, okay, that's why. It also yeah. it ties in, like, everyone's motive. Like, they do such a good job yeah. in, like, five minutes or something explaining why all of these people are involved. It's really good. It's really it's good. Really- it really, it's such tight writing and it's, I mean, I feel like that's a very special skill to have to be able to condense all of these, all of these like completely disparate like motivations and things mm-hmm. into such a short time span. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I'd want to give an entire like fleshed out like flashback, with yeah. it, you know? Um, so the fact that they're able to condense it into like literally just two lines and then it's like, okay, we know pretty much everything we ever need to know about why this character is doing anything that they're doing. Yeah. And it just keeps <laughs> going because the next scene is only, you know, it can't be more than a minute long, but it, it introduces the Kingpin and his motivation, you know, like yeah. they do such a good job. Norman ends up talking to the Kingpin in the next scene and Kingpin explains 
very quickly, very briefly, in the same manner as these other ones. I hate Spider-Man because he's getting in the way of my gangstering, pretty much. (laughs) You know, and so then you have the explanation of how Kingpin's involved. They introduce so many characters and do such, such, such a good job. Yeah. And it doesn't feel, at least to me, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel rushed and it doesn't feel bloated either. No. Yeah. It feels very natural. Yeah. There's no, there's no excess fat here. It's, it's really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, right after that is when we kind of pretty much get right into like kind of the, uh, the kind of the centerpiece of the episode mm-hmm. spencer launches like a billion spider seekers um <laughs> just increasingly more of them with every scene <laughs> um and this of course is while this uh, charity ball is going on so the charity ball is where we kind of officially meet all of peter's uh, peers in college so we meet harry osborne we meet flash thompson um, and then we see Felicia among them as well. We see that Felicia and Flash are dating. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they're like an official couple or they've at least gone on a few dates yeah. together. And everybody's in their nice, nice attire. I love when characters are wearing different clothes from what their normal models wear. So I think everybody looks really good. Felicia's yes. got a really nice black dress on. I love Flash's like purple tux. Yeah, Flash. So cool. Wow. Yeah. And Peter looks, he also, Peter also wears like a little bit, it's more of like a reddish purple, I guess. Um, yeah. His, uh, bow tie I, I just i love that i love when they wear cool clothes <laughs> it's, it's funny though because with both flash and peter in tuxedos you do you sort of realize like how similar they <laughs> they kind of look in this series they're, you don't normally i don't normally feel like they look that similar because they're dressed in character and all that sort of stuff but <laughs> in tuxedos they they could be mistaken for one another <laughs> <laughs> yeah Ooh. yeah i know it's literally the exact same body with like barely like just change a little bit of changes to the head that's about it <laughs> yeah pretty much um also harry osborne um am i forgetting how obnoxious he is in other media or is it just the show i think it's just the show because i was no i was surprised too he's so annoying oh like... my gosh <laughs> and and hopefully hopefully it's just in this episode but i don't think it is i think he's always annoying in this right I think so because it's sort of it's almost you know what I think it is actually Hmm. Um, this is just me spitballing like literally right now so Felicia is is created is made to be this foil of being like haughty rich and spoiled yeah and I feel like those characteristics are often ascribed to Harry yeah but since Felicia has those characteristics Harry is kind of stripped of like that spoiled haughtiness and instead is left with just being like a total like loser yeah he ends up being (laughs) he ends up being a, a weird stereotypical sidekick like hype man you know like like yeah flash yeah that's awesome (laughs) i can't wait flash (laughs) uh, so it's so strange i was so caught off guard by how much i kind of hated harry in this episode (laughs) yeah and you don't get any sense of him and peter really being friends at all either like he all of his screen time in both these episodes i feel like is pretty much exclusively with flash which is an odd choice but that will Um, change right i feel like that does eventually change because i I think it has to well and i mean i guess it makes sense in the context of the comics because i think it did take a long time for harry to warm up to peter in the original comics it did and i guess without the the sort of you know snootiness yeah it's just that much more extreme yeah, it's all. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm. I. That's another one that I'm interested to kind of track as the show goes along to mm-hmm. see how he evolves. Yeah. I I love Peter bringing Aunt May to the vault. To Me the vault. too. Sweetest thing ever. And I really like Aunt May in this episode. Like I ragged <laughs> in her in the last one. <laughs> And I think rightfully so. She was very annoying. She's really cool in this episode. I, I totally dig her. I totally dig this version of her, actually. She is very much more in this episode the way that you described 
the Aunt Mays that you do like. You know, exactly. she's spunky. She talks back a little bit. Um, and she doesn't dote or whine or anything like that, like she does in the yeah. first one. Yeah. I love that she's just like, oh, I'm just fine with my cable TV. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're so sweet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she has some really good lines in this she one. She really does. <laughs> um. So as we know... Uh, ooh, ooh, I almost skipped a very important detail. With Peter bringing Aunt May, Flash, you know, makes fun of this because Flash is always making fun of the things that Peter does. Felicia obviously thinks it's sweet. And <laughs> I don't know if this was, like, how far in advance this was planned. But Flash is going to confront Peter dressed as Spider-Man. Like, he's going to pretend to be Spider-Man and confront Peter, which I get the reference. I mean, this this goes way, yeah. way, 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 way back. This this episode of the series reminds me of very many issues of the comic from that very first year, um, mm-hmm. including this. So it makes sense to me in my brain, but I have to wonder if somebody didn't know that Flash Thompson does this, you know, early on <laughs> in the Spider-Man sort of storytelling. Like, does this make any sense to them? <laughs> <laughs> right. Because I didn't question it at first, because I was like, oh, of course, you know, Flash does this. There's a throwaway line where he's like, I bought the costume for a frat party, so... But why like, does he have it? it? Right, why is he bringing it with... Why does he just keep it... <laughs> keep it? I mean, I guess that you could argue it's a coincidence he just happened to have it in his car, and he, like, came up with the idea. But yeah. the thing that makes it weirder to me, though, I wrote this down, what sparks him to do this is that, you know, Felicia, like you said, thinks it's sweet that Peter bought his aunt, so she's, like, starts to do a dance with him, right? Yes. Flash specifically says verbatim, I had a feeling this would happen. So, does, did he have a feeling that Felicia and Peter were going to hook up? Or does he have a feeling that, like, oh, Felicia is just, like, really flighty and, like, is going to hook up with another guy? Like, in and which d- case, did he plan to just confront whoever she danced <laughs> with as Spider-Man? I don't know, because the way that he confronts Peter is so perfect to Peter Parker. He dresses like right. Spider-Man, and then... And because he doesn't know Peter is Spider-Man, acts like Spider-Man is pissed off at Peter for following him around all the time. So right. it's so specific to Peter that it's, it, it. I guess, saying that he has it in his car already makes perfect sense. I can buy that. Um, him being ticked off at Felicia and Peter makes sense. But it's so, it's so strange that this is where he decides to do this. It all makes right. sense in the episode once things start happening. But it's, if you just like turn, if you just like pause the episode and turned it off or something with somebody who didn't know anything about this, I, I have to imagine this would seem so bizarre. Yeah. I think this is, this is definitely like the most <laughs> awkward setup of this episode for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. But yeah, so he does that. And then naturally, this is exactly when the Black Widow Spider Slayer arrives crashing through the ceiling or wall or something uh basically just destroys the whole <laughs> the whole place like yeah. everything falls down and in the rubble mistakes flash in costume for the real spider-man that he had just or that that it had just been fighting um <laughs> so black widow captures flash as spider-man leaving real spider-man behind just a couple of things like backtracking like as this is happening mm-hmm. i love the bit where peter's with felicia the spider slayer targets aunt may peter very audibly set like yells aunt may and goes running towards his aunt and felicia is still like mad about it she's like peter like yeah he's helping his old lady aunt literally right in front of your eyes yeah really said it chill out 
<laughs> yeah, this is um, this is very much, uh, and I'm, I'm sure we'll see it a lot more in this series. This is the, you abandoned us, Peter. You're a coward, Peter. You yeah. ran off, Peter. Which we didn't really see in the first episode because he opts not to follow the lizard when mm-hmm. um, Deborah falls, you know? So mm-hmm. this is the opposite case where... You know, people are in danger and he switches into Spider-Man mode and they don't know where he went. <laughs> but you're right. right. Like, it was very clear who he was running off to help. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was a little, uh... I also like the bit be- right before the Spider Slayer, Spider Slayer attacks when Peter and Flash are, um... well, Peter and Spider costumed Flash are talking and, um, <laughs> and, and like Flash, like, like, uh. Oh God! What is the how? Oh, I don't remember what the oh, setup is. Oh, the the yelling I, yes. bit. Oh my God! What is the setup? How it was basically the... <laughs> like um, Flash as Spider Man uh, is 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 laying into Peter, and Peter's like, "I'm sorry. I don't know what you want me to say." And then Flash sees the Spider Slayer in the window right before it attacks and screams. So Peter's like, "Okay, ah!" <laughs> and I, it cracked me up every single time. It's, it's really so good. funny. It's funny too because Flash's yell is so specific. It's very, it's like, yeah. The only thing that I think would have made it better is if Peter had like actually imitated the way that he yelled. Yes. Oh, that would have been so perfect. This is this is closer to the Peter Parker that I think you and I were waiting for in the first episode of the series. Remember, we thought he was like kind of a jerk, and now I think it's getting more into the just like smartass Peter as opposed to like I'm just being a total jerk to everyone Peter. exactly yeah yeah i think he's really he's really i know that he's really funny in the next episode that we're going to talk about yeah i think these these two they really figure out like what peter's peter's tone should be and also like who he's directing his snark towards yes makes a big difference it really does after uh after flash gets uh gets canceled gets canceled, canceled? After flash gets we're canceling <laughs> flash canceling flash that <laughs> <laughs> Um, after Flash gets kidnapped, um, this is when Eddie Brock is there getting ready to unmask him. Somehow, even though Eddie Brock is a photographer that works for a newspaper, he's hosting a TV news segment that is getting aired somehow. I have many questions about how that works. (laughs) I don't. I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, he unmasks him. It's Flash Thompson. And Aunt May is just chilling in, in JJ's penthouse, like watching this on the TV, mm-hmm. um, which I think is cool. And she recognizes him. Um, JJ has this like great line where he's like, there's no way that, that, that he's Spider-Man is just some silly kid. Like there's no way that's possible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the real Spider-Man shows up to be there. Um, Sass is JJ as he does. And JJ is like, okay, that's the real guy. I, I <laughs> love these like 20 seconds. I love that <laughs> so immediately. J. Jonah Jameson is like, I know that's not the real Spider-Man because this one I would recognize anywhere just based on the way he's talking to me. And then what's even better is as J. Jonah Jameson and Spider-Man are like sassing each other, Aunt May is like, is someone going to do something? <laughs> I love it. And it's I love so that good. so much. <laughs> that's like the Aunt May that I love. It's, yes. uh, it's so great. Yes, <laughs> like, it was really good. This- a kid, like a dude that's literally in danger right now. So, so you know, put your dicks away and, and do that. <laughs> exactly. That's really what it is. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> She's so good in that moment. It's it's great. So Peter does eventually uh, go off and save to save Flash. Meets him over at a uh, Smythe and Osborne and company. And at this point, we also get Kingpin's goons coming in, um, which I know that we see them a bunch of uh, a bunch of times throughout the show with their really awkward, bulky, like purple. Oh. 
out like stormtroopery outfits. Those uniforms, they're, they're bad. So, they're, they're really so bad. Ugly. They're really bad. They're what? so ugly. Their visors are like weird like bug goggles but not in like a cool way yeah and like the color palette is just like i mean i'm all for garishness but like these are like uh like the most powerful gangster in new york's goons yeah <laughs> it doesn't make sense and they're supposed to be like all intimidating it's like <laughs> yeah i got first amendment rights yeah well we just amended them and it's like that would be <laughs> That would be badass if you didn't look like a goober. Like you look like like of of a a, a, a like a store bought Power Rangers costume. Like right <laughs> yes, now. yes, they look like knockoff superhero action figures. <laughs> uh, but the voices are are hilarious. I I really should have looked up to see if any of those voices were just like done by other cast members because they were they were just like really really like busting me up because everything they said was so dramatic and they were just wearing ridiculous costumes It's really a good image <laughs> it really is oh man and so well at this point is we get our our big action sequence um uh spider-man's the there with the black widow and <laughs> yeah uh so he and the black widow fight there's a bit where like the black widow knocks peter into a bunch of barrels and and peter's like oh no i'm out of web fluid i don't have time to change my web cartridges but then it's like a really long time before the black widow actually approaches him Mm -hmm. and i'm like i'm pretty sure it takes you maybe like 15 seconds to swap those to swap those web cartridges like any other time you do it yes so also we mentioned (laughs) that this was going to be a very very important part of this specific series and thus far, it's been mentioned in two out of two episodes. And spoiler alert, it's mentioned in episode three as well. So I <laughs> am actually really curious to see how many episodes it'll take for him not to mention that he has to switch web cartridges. I think that is actually the bigger bet. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to yeah. say, without actually knowing, I'm going to say we get through an entire six episodes before we get to an episode where it's not mentioned. And that's purely without me having any idea what episode is episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so that's my guess. We're going to get six episodes of him mentioning it every single episode before it somehow doesn't get mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> yep. In their defense, this 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 is like one of the few times that the actual web cartridge thing plays a role into the plot. Oh, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, I, I think it's really great. Um, it's just so heavy-handed. <laughs> it really is. But you I do like it. I do too, yeah. He basically uses the um, the actual web cartridges, throws them into the exhaust ports of the, uh, of the Spider Slayer, um, and it gums it up. Basically, they just like explode, I guess, when it's trying to use its, its jets. Yeah. And, and that, that totally screws it over. There's one, just one little like random piece of trivia. Um, there's the bit when the Black Widow sprays the oil on the wall. Yeah. And Peter fall. I, I love that. It's really cool. Just This is just totally random. In the opening sequence, yes! they have that shot, and it's green. Yes, I was going to bring that up. It's so strange because there aren't a ton of... Like you mentioned last time that there are a number of clips in the opening that were made specifically for the opening, and, mm-hmm. and this isn't one of them. This is from an episode. But yeah, it's not oil that he sprays in the opening. It's it's It looks the same as the acid. Yeah. Which is really strange because that implies that like Spider-Man was, was just like, like clawing at acid on the wall. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I did notice that too. My best guess is that like that opening sequence was made before they'd made like their final editing tweak. So that might've been a scene that was come back and colored incorrectly. Yeah. Um, and they just kind of went with it because out of context, it doesn't matter. Oh, um, sure. And then they just 
made sure it was recolored for the episode. Yeah. But it is still, it's just, it, yeah, it is kind of interesting because it's very like noticeable when you're watching the open when you're yeah. watching the opening. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to mention that I, I actually like this method as, as funny as it is that he basically then after gumming up the jet boosters basically like throws the black widow into a conveniently placed vat of acid which we're <laughs> very familiar with as you know 90s kids who grew up with superhero cartoons there are many vats of acid just conveniently placed <laughs> this is one of them but what i do like about this is we had been told specifically that the armor was impenetrable so the way that he actually defeats it is not by trying to break it but by you know figuring out a way to mess it up internally so i like that a lot and the reason i bring that up is because in the next episode i'm not gonna like as much (laughs) the solutions we get so i just want to point out that i thought this was very clever dot 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 (laughs) i agree (laughs) yeah after this, um, we do get a nice moment with Flash. I like that they make it a point to kind of humanize him a little bit. Yes. Like, he obviously is very ashamed that he was a total coward, like, throughout this whole thing. Yeah. Um, I don't really blame him. I mean, he was in a really terrible situation. But, yeah, it's really interesting that he's, like, he fully recognizes, like, I did not look very good back there, huh? Um, yeah, and he, you know, he, we don't, we don't get this established in this series, at least not yet, but Flash is notoriously a character who really admires Spider-Man, so not only is he humiliated, but he's humiliated in front of Spider-Man, so he basically he's like, please don't tell anyone Spider-Man that I was a coward, like, <laughs> yeah. don't let anyone know. <laughs> yeah, it's so, kind of sweet. Yeah, it is nice, <laughs> it is nice. During all of this, uh, before, like, the big, like, fiery finale, um, Spencer Smythe was staying behind to pilot, I guess, this <laughs> is my question and this keeps coming up okay the spider slayer black widow or black widow spider slayer or whatever was already fighting peter it was already in combat with with spider-man but instead of spencer Smythe leaving the building when spider seekers blow up or something i don't remember exactly what it is that blows up but something blows up and like everything catches on fire instead of him leaving the building he stays behind to what appears to be pilot the already active spider slayer so i just if there's one question i could ask I just want to know how much piloting is needed for these spider slayers that seem to operate on their own otherwise. <laughs> yeah. I don't they re- get it. They react to stuff in in way, like the way that they react to things don't seem like someone piloting it. You yes. Know? It's actually um, the thing that bothers me the most about, um, well, probably this episode. I was going to say both of the episodes together, but this episode to me is actually really really good i really really enjoy this episode a lot more than i thought i was going to um, and more than i remember liking it so this is really the only thing that really really just bothers me and it's gonna poke at my brain forever well it's frustrating because it's so instrumental to the episode's finale like yeah this is a huge like part to create a, a, a character that's gonna that creates the motivations for a character that is on the show for a long time. Yeah. So it's it's it sucks that it's kind of like stuck. It it ends up feeling really contrived, even though it didn't have to be. Like as long if they had found some way early on in one of their like one line explanations that they have or had earlier in the episode that they're normally really good at. Why not have some explanation right. of like this has to be piloted or even like oh no some sensor in the Black Widow was damaged. I need to pilot it now right. because it's not able to be automated anymore. More, yeah it's kind of glossed over right everything else is is so tightly explained that it is weird that they didn't write in the two lines necessary because they do such a good job elsewhere yeah <sighs> 
Well, anyway, it's a good episode. He died. Other than that. <laughs> it is. It's a. It's a very good episode. Other than that, um, he dies because of that. That technical oversight. Yeah. <laughs> being stuck in the burning building, <sighs> driving, driving the 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 uh, spider robot. Mm-hmm. Um. So of course that stokes uh, desire for vengeance from his son, understandably. Yes. Um, and it's stoked even more by Kingpin. Yeah. Um, Insert yeah. Kingpin. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love, um, I love that like partnership that they have because mm-hmm. I know that that continues throughout the show. Um, it's it's really it's really cool. Um, that kind of like a, it's kind of a very like fiery partnership. That they yes, have. yes. <clears throat> um, after that, we we go back to JJ's like pet penthouse, which literally has a giant hole on top of it. Yeah, I feel kind of bad for him. <laughs> it was wrecked. <laughs> Like, super, <laughs> super wrecked. And it really wasn't his fault, even a little. Sometimes no, the things no. that happen to J. J. Jonah Jameson are, like, totally his fault. This really wasn't. <laughs> no. He was trying to, he was literally hosting a charity bar. Yeah. A charity ball. Like, the nicest thing he could have been doing with his penthouse. So. Yeah. <laughs> Very sad. Um, he, he of course, um, real mad at Brock and kind of chastises him for the stunt that he pulled. Um, rightfully so. He has a great line where he's like, the networks are laughing at me, even Fox. <laughs> I yes this is another instance of like the the show just like being really self-deprecating yeah <laughs> yeah well and here's the thing too is that I think some of the context is lost now at the time Fox wasn't even 10 years old like it was still like, an extremely new network among like NBC and CBS or were all like 50 plus years right old. so it was really and this was the only other like like no other networks had like this kind of meta humor that this had like and the Simpsons did a lot of these recurring jokes too that was a big joke that they had in the, in the classic years of like kind of being like hey we know Fox is like really lame like we're the underdog <laughs> so it wasn't even like biting the hand or punching up like it seems like now and a yeah. lot of places do now it was very much like oh no we recognize that like we're we're kind of like these like the poor like losers trailing behind all the other big networks and you know what we're cool with that we recognize it well what's so <laughs> funny about it though is that it's not just the show making fun of itself the show it's all these shows making fun of the network they're on it goes yeah. beyond the confines of the show you know like this exactly. isn't deadpool making fun of his own movie it's deadpool making fun of the production company that made right. the movie <laughs> right it's i don't know it's it's so funny i it i thought it was so funny yeah and i feel like it kind of i mean i don't remember when like animaniacs and stuff came out i mean there was a lot of meta humor in those shows oh yeah but i feel like this kind of predates a lot any any meta humor that you get that you would end up getting like later throughout the 90s and children's shows like it was pretty kind of a baller move to throw that out and you don't expect it you know, Animaniacs, yeah. after one episode, you expect they're just going to rip everything a new one. This, it catches me off guard every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, like uh, so J.J. fires Eddie Brock, of course. Uh, of course. The first of many, the first of many firings. Yep. <laughs> um, I like, like, the point where, like, Eddie, like, he, like, kind of trips over and lands on, um, like, falls down on, um, like, a piece of artwork. And Jameson's like, and get off my Ming vase. <laughs> Those are exactly the lines you were talking about last episode that are just delivered so perfectly. Like, they're not necessary lines, but they're so good. Because it's so, like, it just, like, just if you are at the, at, <laughs> at the other end of it, it's just going to destroy yes. your soul, just completely crush you. Yes. It's just, like, every possible humiliation, <laughs> he is going to make sure you feel it. Going to make sure you feel even lower. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he also tells eddie to see a shrink which we said that he probably was going to do 
in the mm-hmm. last episode. He's yep. going to see a therapist, talk yeah. about all his anger, get some real good tips for how to deal with it. And it'll right. be fine. It'll be yeah, great. it'll be totally fine. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> um, we also get um, what, what we were talking about earlier, where uh, Felicia starts chewing out Peter for abandoning her, even though we literally was saying it was on May, but whatever. Yeah. Come on, Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> But I uh, I appreciate um, this like cooler, better version of Aunt May. Also thinking that the whole thing was exciting too. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The adrenaline rush of it all. Yeah. <laughs> so I I've already sort of said that I I really really liked this episode. Um, I thought overall it was really really good. It was tight. It does a lot of the stuff that the first one did well. I think it even does a better job pacing wise. Um, I don't know that it's a better or that I like this episode more than the first, but I think it does some things even better. It builds upon that. What do you, I mean? What do you think overall? Of this this first of the two episodes i feel the same way actually i i went into it not expecting to like it i remember not liking both of these episodes when i was a kid like and i think i attribute that mostly to being a that the spider slayers weren't that interesting Mm -hmm. and you know when you're a kid you're more interested in kind of the main plot not necessarily the side stuff going on yeah um so i was like I, i didn't like them as villains and also just this being so early in the show, um, I wasn't really, in, I was just like, oh, I want to get to like the good stuff and all the crazy things happen. But watching this now, I can really appreciate, like you said, how tight the writing is mm-hmm. um, and how well all the characters are fleshed out with their motivations like instantly. Like nobody feels like two dimensional in, in this. You can really get a sense of who everyone is for better or worse. <laughs> well, Harry, we're, we'll get there with Harry. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but most everybody then, else. <laughs> Even then, he still stands out as being... A, he doesn't feel like like just a background character. Yeah. He's still... You can tell that he is a distinct character from all the other ones that we're meeting. Yeah, that's um, true. You can kind of see what his place might be. So I think that's really interesting. I, I, I really liked it a lot. Way more than I expected to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which leads us into the next one. <laughs> and I'm, I, I haven't been able to parse out yet um, if we are as aligned on the second of the two. Um, but we can just dive in and find out. <laughs> I think I think we might be. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I wasn't sure. Um, so yeah. let, let's let's get into it. The synopsis for the second one, which again is called Return of the Spider Slayers. This is a, a two-parter technically, but there's no cliffhanger really. Like you can watch each one of them separately, um, but they really are obviously meant to go back to back. So this one says uh, Spencer Smythe's son Alistair is hired by the Kingpin to get revenge on Spider-Man and everyone who had a hand in Spencer's death. He rebuilds the original Spider Slayer along with two more. Um, So it's actually very, very similar to the first one, at least in the synopsis. Uh, The setup and the premise are uh, nearly identical, but the episode obviously plays out uh, pretty differently. So uh, this one originally aired on February 11th, uh, which I believe was just that next week. Um, Again, the story was by John Semper. And in this case, the teleplay was by Mark Hoffmeyer. Hoffmeyer, interestingly enough, wrote on a number of Power Rangers seasons, which if you listen to our first uh, first episode and a half, you know that both of us um, are into Power Rangers, and so we expect that probably some of our listeners are too. Um, Hoffmeyer actually wrote on... um, Mighty Morphin through Turbo. He wrote on Lightspeed Rescue, Ninja Storm, and also Dino Thunder. And then additionally wrote uh, an episode of Spider-Man Unlimited and uh, wrote for the Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions game. Do you know, um, like, what what did that look like for the game? I don't really have a great knowledge of how writing works for that. Do they have... Is it the same structure? Was he a lead writer? Was he just a contributing writer? Like, 
You know, I didn't look far enough into it. Oh, okay. I was just looking at his IMDb, actually. Sure. Uh, it was just listed him as a writer. So there probably okay. was a team team of writers. Yeah. And then he also, he currently writes for the uh, the uh, Spider-Man uh, cartoon that, that uh, premiered in 2017 and is ongoing, correct? Correct, At yeah. least as of this episode. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hopefully that continues. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is also, uh, considered by like John Semper. Uh, I've read this in a couple of places actually, um, that he, he credits Hoffmeyer with helping him basically like figure out Spider-Man's humor side, like the comedy of Spider-Man. It's apparent. Um, it's very apparent in this episode, particularly <laughs> because he apparently has a background in improv comedy and i you can really get a sense of that in the way that Spider-Man's quips are in this episode. Well, and that's what Spider-Man does is his humor is entirely related to what's happening around him that's that's his whole shtick is fast quips and witty you know banter with his with his foes and stuff like that it's all reliant on what's happening around him so the improv Mm -hmm. background makes perfect sense yeah and the only major character introduced (laughs) in this episode uh, the only major character introduced in this episode um the way that i have this written in the script is the way that <laughs> this name is burned into my brain from this show the specific way that peter yells out mary jane <laughs> like he probably doesn't do it that often but the few times that he did it, it is i can hear it so vividly i can't think of her without thinking of that but this, this is her takes first up appearance. like almost a whole line of our of our show notes by the way <laughs> almost an entire line is just mary jane <laughs> This is her first appearance, of course. Um, she only has, like, one line in it. Um, we'll talk about her. Yeah. We can talk about her voice actor and stuff more when she actually, like, has stuff to do. But this is the uh, first, epi- first episode she appears in. Yeah. So getting right into it, right right off the bat, I have a couple of, like, things to say about oh. this. So this opens with the previous previously on segment, the first the first, like, recap that we get of the show, which we will see many recaps as it gets mm-hmm. more serialized. This recap is a freaking minute and 15 minutes long. And that- it's... The whole episode. It's the entire episode. Previously on is supposed to give you the important beats for the episode you are about to watch. (laughs) I know it's previously on, but it doesn't need to be an entire recap of literally everything that happened. Am I wrong? I completely agree with you. I, my theory is that maybe this episode actually came out a little bit short. And that was a way to, because there's another point in this episode where I'm like, this feels like padding. (laughs) I Um, would be 0% surprised if this episode ended up coming up short. (laughs) Which is ridiculous because these show, these episodes are already like so short anyway. They're already shorter than like a normal, the normal half hour show. So whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's strange. I was really sitting there ready to um you know take a couple notes down about the previously on to say like okay well the previously on gets us ready for what we're about to watch by saying this and this and this but no it's really the whole thing it's the yeah whole thing <laughs> yep um, which we don't even need because this episode really just like is the last episode but not as good anyway yeah. all right whatever Let, let's yeah. talk about it <laughs> yeah also amazon uses a different opening sequence for this one it uses one of the like i think I want to say this is the one that they didn't technically start using until season three because it has a bunch of clips from like towards the end of season two. So that's kind of weird. Like the uh, opening theme? 
The opening theme, yeah, the opening theme. All uh, it's it's the oh. version of it with the different clips and stuff. Yeah, very weird. How I, do I I'm... not notice these things? I thought I was paying attention, and I clearly <laughs> wasn't. <laughs> I mean, I'm not mad about it because it's way better than the first <laughs> opening sequence that they make. It's yeah. kind of a lot better, but it's so weird. Like, I don't know. I really like having the authentic experience when I like watch things like this. Yeah. So it feels weird to have watched the wrong opening with it, but. I'm glad they use that instead of like the shortened opening that they use in syndication. I always hated that one because it's super short. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I wonder if they'll put that on any of the Amazon episodes. I don't know. I, I hope know. not. I hope not too. <laughs> well, this episode um starts with uh the Black Widow 2.0 because the last one was destroyed. We saw that it was destroyed. Um, the Black Widow 2.0 flying around New York City months we learn after the events of the spider slayer and it spots spider-man while peter's on the phone with aunt may reluctantly agreeing to go on a date with thus far unknown mary jane watson so uh yeah so this is months later (laughs) very it's a very interesting choice months the only explanation i guess i would have would that be was just that they're trying to explain like how all of the new spider slayers have, have been built. Yeah. Which but I guess it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's just as like, we didn't really need that. <laughs> also but, months. Why is this the next episode if it's months? Yeah. Yeah. You could easily put this episode at the end of the season or, or the beginning of the next season. It would work fine. Yeah. Or, I guess. Well, no, you know what it is. They wanted to get the toys for all the spider slayers. out. Yeah. Really. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, anyway, I'm gonna try to not complain too much, but yeah. <laughs> are are blind dates a thing anymore? Is that just like archaic? Because I feel like there's no way to have a blind date anymore, right? Yeah, I don't know. You would specifically need somebody you know to set you up with somebody that you've never met, and you would have to specifically not look up any sort of like social media or like have ever seen them on a dating app or have never run into them at all. But this episode really does have Peter say blind date like a dozen times. Yeah. Which it really is noticeable when blind, no one really refers to blind dates anymore. Even when you're meeting somebody for the first time through an app, like it's still not a blind date. Right. (laughs) They're dumb anyway. I never, I I just thought the idea of blind dates were kind of weird. Not, not the most intelligent way to date. In my opinion, <laughs> though it seems to work out for Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this episode like pretty much starts like immediately. <laughs> Stuff yep. happens like right off the bat. The new Black Widow, which looks the, exactly the same as the old Black Widow, yep. uh, is flying around um, looking for Spider-Man. Um, he attacks him while uh, right after Peter gets off the phone with Aunt May. So he gets into the fight right on the str- right on a very strangely empty street for this being New York. But mm-hmm. <laughs> a, while he's fighting it, a second spider slayer appears this one i don't think these are like named like audibly by the characters i think i don't remember but to my knowledge based solely on watching the episode the the black widow has a name and i think the third one has a name but i don't think the second one has a name in all materials it's called the tarantula so it is officially named that but i don't yeah i don't think he actually says that yeah so we have the Black Widow and the Tarantula. So now he's facing off against two Spider Slayers right in the uh, middle of the street. I think it's around this point that Peter specifically says, good thing I reloaded my webbing. <laughs> Which, okay, thanks Ding, check. for that. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> so didn't, that didn't take long. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, and while they're fighting a, uh, a, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, well, actually, we'll go ahead and um, mention that this is now, of course, being piloted and or monitored by uh, by Alistair, who's <laughs> still unsure. He's still unsure. Um, he is now in that state of the art chair, that kind of Professor X chair that he has. Yes. Um, and Kingpin is with him, so of course we understand that he's working with Kingpin to do this now to get revenge on Spider Man. Uh, during the fight, um, Spidey does get a couple of his spider tracers on the Slayers, which these, this is the first appearance of those, right? Yes, and it actually took me longer than it should have to realize why that even mattered. Because the first time watching this episode, I was like, why did he even do that? Like, that doesn't that doesn't matter later, but I guess it kind of does. Oh, yeah, um, it does. Because, because uh, things happen at sort of a weird... The, the first two episodes happen at a quick pace. Things in this one, I think, happen at a weird pace. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm glad it wasn't just me. I completely agree. It's yeah. a very, very strangely paced episode for so sure. It took me a second to realize like, oh, the tracers actually do matter later. <laughs> but yeah, they make a they make a very big point to show that he's using the spider tracers, which is smart. Yeah. Smart of him. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It is, it is, yeah, and, and he uses this a lot in this show. It's really, yeah. it, and they're, those are a really nifty, like, piece of Spider-Man lore that's, it's interesting that those don't really get used very often in most Spider-Man media, I feel like, that I've seen. Yeah, I actually, so the spider tracers are cool because they're very much a Peter Parker invention, and, you know... I think just recently um, there was some conversation on Twitter about like, you know, what different elements of Peter Parker are sort of essential and not. Um, And it's interesting to see that each iteration of movie Peter Parker has sort of either ratcheted up or ratcheted down his sort of technological um, contribution to what he does. And I think the spider tracers are cool because they, they feel like one of the earliest ones, right? Like the spider, mm-hmm. I don't, it's not really a signal, but it kind of is, you know, that he used a lot early on, but doesn't really use a whole lot that yeah. and the, the tracers to me feel like some of the most classic Peter Parker tech outside yeah. of the, the web, the web shooters themselves. Yeah. Well, and it feels like they feel like something that you could feasibly see this college student who's very, very smart yeah. making himself. Yeah, like for this, sure. Yeah. Cause it's not, this isn't the same as like some like electric, like super taser or like my favorite thing that like, I loved using it, but I always thought it was like the most preposterous thing in the PS4 game <laughs> is like the, um, I forget what it's called, but the thing that like blows all of the all the bad guys in the air and just ho- makes them hover for a little bit. Oh yeah, like, it just creates a giant tornado. It's very cool and very fun to use, but it makes literally <laughs> no sense that that's a thing that he created. Yes, all of the tech in the in the PS4 game is like next level. <laughs> this is like much more accessible. Like, right. Here's a little tracer that I can hear because my senses are ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah, so and during that during that fight we kind of have our um standard like people getting stupidly caught in danger. Of course. Um, a family comes out, a, a mom and her daughter and a dog comes out and the kids <laughs> like, "Mommy, it's a big bug. I want one." Hey, uh-huh. toy commercial. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so literal. <laughs> it's so literal. To be fair, I appreciate that it's a little girl saying it. That's so true. It's like yeah, it's a little girl wanting like what's typically a boy's action toy, for, uh, and and it's like a giant bug, and like, yeah. the girl's like, "I want a giant robot bug." I'm like, yeah, you go, girl. That's it's actually awesome. a really fantastic point because it very easily could have just been like some dumb ten year old boy in the show that's like, "That's so cool, radical." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's our impression of ten year old boys. We we were ten year old boys once. We know mm-hmm. specifically in the nineties. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> 
But yeah, of course, they get in the way. The child does not get in the way, fulfilling no. the censorship rule of no children in danger. Ooh, good. Yeah. Good catch. Mm-hmm. The dog runs out, and the mom goes after him, and they're caught in the line of fire. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that causes problems, makes uh, makes it harder for Spider-Man. Through, you, know, you can figure out all, all that hullabaloo gets him captured. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, the tarantula has a freeze ray. I thought that was kind of a random, like, addition yeah. to his powers. <laughs> so, yes, the freeze ray, it's a random addition, but we'll we'll talk about it, I think, shortly. Because <laughs> cool. it does sort of come back around. It just feels like a much weaker sort of, like, setup and reward than all the other stuff they're doing. <laughs> I, I don't even I don't even remember how it yeah. comes back into play. And I just watched this one a little bit like earlier today. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's really it's pretty flimsy. It's pretty flimsy. Cool. This is where the episode starts getting especially weird for me because after this this fight where Spider Man is actually captured by Black Widow and and the Tarantula, um, we also see that Alistair has brought J Jonah Jameson to the same lab. Um, to unmask Spidey, but da 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 da, it's a ruse because Alistair reveals that he didn't bring J. Jonah Jameson there to unmask Spider Man, but instead to shackle Spider Man and Jameson together with an explosive manacle simply because he hates them both <laughs> for being <laughs> responsible for his dad's death. Yeah. Oh, but then he lets them go because the manacle is already attached. <laughs> It's so weird. It's so strange. It's like, it's very sort of caricature of James Bond villain style Like then plot. Inept, accidentally inept villain just for the sake of the plot. Yeah, yeah. it's really weird because Alistair is actually a really smart, menacing, kind of scary guy because of his motive. Um, so for him to bring the two of them there just to like comically shackle them together with an explosive and then then leave them to explode later... It's, I don't know. I don't I don't buy it. Well, and yeah, that's the thing, too, is that, like, I am completely open to buying any, like, somewhat, even if it's kind of flimsy explanation for why the villain doesn't just shoot the hero. Like, I get it that, you know, you, you can usually work around that and just be like, oh, they want to make him suffer. So, you know, they're going to do this or they want right. to teach him a lesson. They're going to do that. But it doesn't really. Yeah, you're right. It, like, it doesn't it's not established enough, like how this particularly like fits his version of revenge at this point. Like it feels very forced to be like, okay, um, it's going to be a bomb. It's going to go off in an hour away from here where I'm not monitoring, monitoring you at all or piloting you or piloting you. (laughs) I'm just leaving. Yeah. I'm just leaving you two together. And I only put you two together just because I don't know, you know, it just seemed like it wouldn't be more interesting. Right. Because Uh, having Spider-Man and J. Jonah Jameson attached together is a great concept because they mm-hmm. hate each other but that's not why alistair does it alistair right. doesn't have any sort of explanation for why those two were put together other than you're connected so yeah uh, i don't know <clears throat> even even bringing jameson in on this feels kind of flimsy to me because i don't everybody that that alistair blames for his father's death makes sense and i sort of get like his it just feels like he's reaching for jameson because it's sort of like well your petty rivalries made this happen but it's like well i feel like the he didn't jameson wasn't really like that 
like he didn't even know that like Eddie was doing this. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, I sort of see some of the logic, but it's like if that was the only reach, it would be fine, but it's not. It's among a lot of other contrivances. Yeah, it's very, very strange. Um yeah. and and lost in all of that is is he really does just like drop them on top of a building. Like he's just like, All right, here you go. Like go blow up right. somewhere. Now I do. I did have one thing that I learned just like literally fifteen minutes before we started recording. Um, I was just kind of browsing Wikipedia, um, and I was on the the page for Spencer Smythe. Um, I didn't know this. One of one of the stories in the comics has has him doing this exact same thing. He links up Peter and James or Spider Man and Jameson with a bomb that's gonna uh, blow up. In, in this case, twenty four hours. The reasoning makes a lot of like sixth sense not sixth sense sixth sense though (laughs) yeah um because in the comic spencer ends up getting um he gets some kind of like radiation poisoning or some kind of sickness from all the work that he's done being around um the the technology to build the spider slayers Mm -hmm. so he's mad at both of them um and he was doing it for jameson to kill spider-man so he blames both jameson and spider-man for it and the his reasoning for the bomb with them together is so they can also feel like the fear of inevitable death like he is feeling from having this terminal Ill- illness okay so here's what i will say that is positive about this then i do really appreciate the myriad homages like in this series to comic events right right so the fact that we had the flash thompson dresses like spider-man and gets captured thing the fact that we have the spider slayers sort of living brain-esque element of the the previous episode i love all that stuff but i also still want it to make some sense in the context of the Mm -hmm. show and so i love that they're making that illusion i just don't love the way that they put it in this episode yep that's like i mean i could go on like a really long-term rant on this and i'm not going to (laughs) but just not on this specifically but just just the idea of sometimes like where a lot of writers who are doing adaptations of like comic books and things with popular mythos will be will just throw in references for reference sake that doesn't make sense in the context of the world that it's that it's that's been created in this version of it yeah um and i feel like that happens a lot in like modern movies now and it's just like it really sucks when it happens because it's, it really takes you out of it because it's sort of like i want to appreciate the reference that you're making and you clearly did your research mm-hmm. and have a lot of love for it but you're basically extracting it without any of like the storytelling and reasoning behind it that like made it a a beautiful or logical like part of the story you know yeah yeah, especially when you have a series that's so willing to make jokes or be sort of self-deprecating or self-referential, they could have referenced that from the comics and made it funny and then carried on with what they were doing. But they yeah. didn't even really do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. <laughs> the one upside about this whole situation is that it is it is really, really funny. Yes, not, it, it does end up being funny. <laughs> Not because of making fun of, like, the reference or anything, but the whole scene with um with J.J. and with Spider-Man and Alistair together is, like, my favorite scene in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it it's is very, hilarious. very funny. Uh, I believe at one point, um, J. Jonah Jameson yells at Smythe and Spider-Man suggests that he should become a family therapist, <laughs> yeah. which is great. Yeah. I think that's a great career move. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> 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 and, and yeah and the whole, uh, the whole point when he's like um uh when alistair's like listing everyone he's gonna get revenge on it's like you hate a lot of people it must be tough around the holidays yes <laughs> yes he really does just straight up say you hate a lot of people smite and he's not wrong smite literally hates everyone <laughs> yep 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so from there, we start seeing Smythe's attempts to also er- like eradicate the other people he hates that he associates with his father's death. So we do see the Black Widow then attempt to basically like acid kill Flash Thompson um, and Felicia Hardy. In this instance, Spider-Man intervenes and is able to uh, use the Black Widow's powers to his advantage, which is cool. I like that a lot. So even though I don't love the fact that JJJ and Spider-Man are, you know, attached together, I like the way that Spider-Man gets out of it. Black Widow has Mm -hmm. some lasers, is going to like, you know, laser flash Thompson because the acid kill part didn't work. And Spider-Man's like, oh, I'll just use these lasers to cut off this explosive. All right, cool. Yeah. Problem solving. I can get behind that. Yeah, it's good. I think that that is a smart bit of writing. Yeah, definitely. Backtracking like a little bit, like right right at uh, right before the um the Black Widow attacks Flash and Felicia. First of all, Harry is of course super awkward. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as we've established. But I also love when the Black Widow attacks Felicia is like, is this another one of your gags, Flash Thompson? Which it's literally a, a giant spider robot that attacked you a few months ago. Yeah, I'm sure this like frat boy uh, like was yeah. created this robot on his own. Yeah, one this one's dad. cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that happens after Spider's able. Spider Man is able to get attached. Detached. Jesus. After <laughs> Spider's able to get detached from the uh, from the bomb, JJ does does do his best to try to warn other people. He calls. Uh, he calls to warn Eddie Brock first, I think, and then he calls Norman at Harry's suggestion. Um, and Norman almost seems like he was expecting it. He's like, oh, another spider slayer. Mm-hmm. And then he has a bunch of tanks prepared. Robot tanks. Important, robot important tanks. detail. This is Fox That's Kids true. after all. That is true. Tanks with no living persons inside mm-hmm. of them. <laughs> and meanwhile, we also see Eddie Brock, who has just been hired on another news outlet. I um, love this scene. <laughs> it is my favorite scene in this episode. Oh, yeah? Yes. <laughs> I good. love this so much. It is so funny to me. <laughs> oh, it cracks me up. Yeah, because it's just like instant. It's like, all right, I guess I'll hire you. Oh, nope, you're fired. <laughs> yes. Eddie Brock has the sense to go to a different newspaper and make his case. He says a lot of it's a misunderstanding. It's not my fault, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like, whatever, I'll hire you. I'll give you a shot. Tarantula yeah. ends up attacking, destroys the news, the newspaper place or the news outlet or whatever. And within like 10 minutes, Eddie Brock is fired from yet another <laughs> news job. And then just like, sort of like, I don't know if he literally shakes his fist, but he might. And just is like, I hate you, Spider-Man. I'll get you, Spider-Man. <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know. I love it so much. It's so, yeah. It's so like, cause it's so just like stereotypical, like villain thing. Yes. But it's just like, it works so well for him. Cause it's like, you know what? I do like feel bad for him. It's yeah. a crap situation. He's not a great guy, but it's still a crap situation situation and it's just like the fact that like a running gag is him getting fired now <laughs> and, <laughs> and this literally happens in such in. a short period of time <laughs> yeah. so short <laughs> yeah this is a, like a super super duper like minor quibble nitpick but i just think it's kind of funny um so this scene spider-man looks at the bomb and he's talking about i think he says specifically he doesn't have much time left it's counting up from 48 minutes when he looks at the bomb on oh the scene. so first of all the first thing is like, oh, so either if it was a mistake and it was supposed to be counting down, it was just an animation mistake, which makes the most sense. That doesn't really make sense because that means only 12 minutes has passed since he was 
take he and Jameson had the bomb put on, taken from the building, like like did whatever for a few minutes, then went, fought the first Spider Slayer, released the bomb, then like tracked down Eddie Brock. There's no way that was only in 12 minutes. Yeah. So you could argue instead, okay, it actually was counting up. But that means that there's only 12 minutes left for the rest of the episode, which also doesn't make any sense. Because <laughs> there's probably later, literally more than 12 minutes in the episode. I don't it, actually exactly. know. <laughs> I prob- probably. And any time they show it from here on out, it is counting down. Oh. Um, the next time, it's he refers to it as only being minutes to the bomb, bomb blows, but it's at 39 minutes. And then what? it's like a sh- very short time later, it's counting again down from 15 minutes. And I'm pretty sure that's like right before <laughs> it explodes. So, <laughs> so strange. These are little details that might not matter that much, but when, you're, when they're sandwiched in all this other stuff, I know. it's like, come on. Yeah. Come I, on. I can get, I can get past like Kurt Connors names being spelled wrong. Yeah. In the door when everything else is great, but like it's too much. <laughs> it's a little, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, this is also, you know, I mentioned in the first episode that I really appreciated the way that Peter defeated the Black Widow because it was clever and it needed to be clever. This time when he defeats the first Black Widow, and he doesn't destroy it, but he still defeats it. He basically defeats it by, like, slamming it into a wall. And then the tarantula, he electrocutes, which doesn't, neither of those things seem like they should work (laughs) Mm -hmm. based on what's been established. Yeah. And that's only the beginning of that. So just keep that in the back of your mind everybody (laughs) yeah Yeah. i think it's a um, i don't remember if it's it might be a like it's either around this or like right after it but it's it's not too long from this where there's this there's another part where it felt like it was padding um i think it's when peter is going to oscorp i guess is it the reused no it wouldn't be the reused shot we haven't gotten there yet no he just he just is sitting down and he just is just like oh I better change my web cartridges. And it just shows him pulling up his sleeve and changing the web cartridge <laughs> before jumping in. I am positive that that was just padding because it doesn't like, we've already firmly established that he changes his web cartridges. Yes. It's, and a lot like, of times so... <laughs> it either makes sense or it creates tension. Mm-hmm. In this case, that... it, it does not. Does neither. And it doesn't really like, like the, his web cartridges don't play a role in this one. So it, adds nothing to it doesn't set up anything so i am firmly in the camp this episode came out too short and they added that in for padding i buy it (laughs) i buy it 100 percent. so if uh if two spider slayers weren't enough for you don't worry Smythe has revealed that his masterwork is actually a third and bigger spider slayer shocking (laughs) that looks like a scorpion and i'm guessing is called scorpion yes yes which would have been extra weird if these were aired in order then the scorpion (laughs) episode would have been like just two episodes before yeah that would have been actually really bizarre yeah huh it's also green (laughs) like the scorpion yeah like the villain the scorpion (laughs) it didn't have to be green no yeah Especially because, like, no scorpions are green, I don't think. I don't think so either. It's like a very, very distinct thing about the scorpion (laughs) in Spider-Man is that he's green. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is not very long that we are with the third Spider-Slayer before um, the reason for it existing sort of is revealed to us, which is that the three Spider-Slayers can combine and I initially was like, oh, it's like a Megazord Spider Slayer. But really it's not because like a Megazord in Power Rangers looks and takes on a different shape than its component parts. 
but this is really just like a totem pole of spider slayers. They literally just like sit on top of each other. <laughs> so the ultimate weapon is three spider slayers stacked on top of each other, which which makes me wonder when these toys came out, was the sort of interactive element was was it that you could stack them? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like is I that, didn't even think about that. Did they connect to one another? Is that why they do that in the show? That would make sense. Cuz in the I show mean... it makes no sense. It is not yeah. advantageous at all for them to yeah. be stacked on top of each other. <laughs> yeah, you just created one target, like yeah. <laughs> instead of three. Come yeah. on, but yeah, that, no, that's I think what he does. Right. He stacks them on top of each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, um, somehow it's more powerful, and it yeah. destroys all the tanks that are not filled with people because they're robots right. and helicopters and with lasers, not, with people. not projectiles. With, with exactly with lasers um and no screaming children or pigeons around to be harmed, of course so. nope no <laughs> pigeons <laughs> <You're fine. laughs> um destroys destroys oscorp there's a little bit where where smites like so much for Oz- osborne's place of business Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> cringy and he does this weird like hand i think it's supposed to be like that like um like excellent kind of thing with his yeah. fingers but it just looks like he's like rubbing his hands together <laughs> and it's very weird that's it's- creepy <laughs> But yeah, so those the the Spider Slayers make mincemeat out of everything at Oscorp. But Spider Man does save Norman, or no, well not yet. First, it chases Norman chases Norman onto the bridge, um, where the final showdown will be. And during this point is when Peter in Oscorp finds liquid oxygen so to get rid of the bomb. This this is where the freeze ray comes back around. Oh my god, that's why it's liquid oxygen yes. there. I thought it was just like mm. just like he was in Oscorp and they just have liquid oxygen. Okay, I nope. don't know what they do, but sure. <laughs> Spider-Man basically says <laughs> like, "Oh, I can use this liquid oxygen to destroy the bomb in the same way that the spider slayer used the liquid oxygen to break a lamppost or something like that. Got it. So I don't know, which again, you didn't even need, like there could have, you're in Oscorp. You could have just found something. It's fine. Whatever. (laughs) But yeah, so it does come back around. It's just very flimsy. Yeah, it's it's very flimsy. Um, I do like that the liquid oxygen tanks are, are just LOX, which locks. okay, liquid oxygen <laughs> locks. But I just keep thinking of salmon. So. Same, <laughs> just a bunch of salmon in there. <laughs> um, I do like I do like Peter the scientist in this case. Like yes. he's just using chemistry. I think it's good. This is a series where they they don't shy away from from Peter being a scientist, and I very much appreciate that. Oh yeah, and it doesn't make him like a super genius either. It's no. a good balance. Yeah, we get to the fight on the bridge where uh, Spider-Man does does confront um, the Spider Slayer and saves Norman from them. Um, there's a little bit. Of, there's actually some CGI that I like where they CGI the bridge and have a shot of Peter and Norman running away from the camera, mm-hmm. um, where the where the bridge itself is kind of like coming towards the camera. And I actually think the CGI is pretty well used in that. I like that. Yeah, it doesn't feel obtrusive. Like it's not it's not the type of thing that jumps out at you. Like oh gosh, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty it was a pretty good use of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also I like I do like as uh, as dopey as the stacked spider slayer is i like the little detail of when it's like looking for spider-man the heads all move in alternating directions yes i do like that too i like that a lot yeah i thought that was pretty cool so after after peter realizes that he can detach the explosive manacle with liquid oxygen he hangs on to it and brings it to the fight um on the bridge um and the way that he ends up defeating the stack of spider 
Slayers, ultimately, is by attaching that bomb to the Spider Slayer, which shouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, especially this, like, super-powered Mega Spider Slayer that's supposed to be, like, super-powered. <laughs> yeah, I just, okay, for a couple reasons, and I know... We've already established this episode isn't very great, so I shouldn't take this much umbrage with it. But, <laughs> first off, these are supposed to be impenetrable. Like, nothing is supposed to be able to break this armor. Also, they're just stacked. And I, he, he attaches the explosive to the Black Widow, which is on top, and the smallest of the three. Yeah. And then this this is supposed to, maybe not destroy it, but knock it into the water, which, as we all know is a spider slayer's greatest nemesis because the moment it falls into the water it is just totally destroyed (laughs) yeah not a a vat of there's no i mean i don't know maybe the maybe the the river is polluted enough that it's basically (laughs) the equivalent to a vat of acid that's possible Mm. not likely though Mm, it's an homage <laughs> to my hometown of Cleveland. <laughs> the river just sets on fire. Oh no! Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just uh, if you're gonna make these things be impenetrable and so strong and able to counter anything that Spider-Man can do, like really make us feel that. You know, like mm-hmm. there was no point in this episode where I felt like these Spider Slayers were really, really a, gonna get the better of peter aside from gassing him and capturing him like i never really felt like spider-man or peter parker's brain couldn't take these things and i did kind of feel that in the first one so yeah i i don't know i just don't know what was lost in between Eh, i don't know i think it's just uh i think it just is part of when you're trying to expand it it's like okay the logical the logical idea is just to add more, but then when you add more, you make it impossible for to, to kind of like write yourself out of that corner, I guess. And so the only way they're really able to do anything with it is to weaken them, which I, and I think, I don't, I think that's, that's kind of a trope that, you know, anytime that you have the most powerful, anything, the next time, if you ever have it appear ever again, you can't have it be the most powerful anything anymore. You know, you want yeah. to amp it up, but it still has to be beat by the at the end of the day. So. That's another thing that I, I honestly feel they could have explained with writing, too. I know that this is supposed to be months later, but if they hadn't made it months, they could have, you know, they could have had a scene with Kingpin saying, are you sure they're ready? And Alistair is operating through anger and vengeance and all this sort of stuff. And Kingpin could have said, or Norman, well, I guess Norman's not really in those conversations, but Kingpin could have said, like, we need more time. You're not ready. Like, these aren't done, you know? And Alistair could have insisted, like, no, it needs to happen now. And then we could have found weaknesses, or we could have found bugs, or we could have found, you know, something that was wrong because Spencer spent way more time on these than Alistair did, or something. Yeah, something. I don't know. Yeah. Not and you know, not to rewrite the entire episode, but I rewrite like... the whole thing. <laughs> but that that would almost help, I think, with his motivation for for the way that he treats like Peter and Jameson too if he really is like so blinded by rage and then maybe uh, as as he realizes things aren't working out like he just I don't know I, I don't know it could 
I feel like you can it would it would help present him as a little bit less calculating and more driven by anger to the point that he makes stupid decisions, like yeah. making it easy for Spider-Man and JJ to escape instead of just like letting them go free, you know? Well, and I think it would have played really, really well into one of the sort of closing scenes of this episode, which is Kingpin basically saying, Alistair, you failed. I own you now. Like that was yeah. the deal is if you didn't, if you didn't do this right, you work for me like until you get it right. So to have Alistair be careless would have made lots of sense. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it really would have. And then he, you know, he created, he essentially like created his own prison at the end of the day, you know, being forced to work with them. Like it's sort of in in that direction here, but he actually stronger. Yeah. And in the context, like he still tried really hard and he has like pretty valid motivations, you know, so it isn't really his own hubris that destroys him, which is so common for Spider-Man villains and seems like it would have worked so perfectly here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I will say all the positive things that I'll say, like about that kind of final sequence. Um, I like Peter saying it's clobbering time. Yeah. (laughs) Nice little reference because they don't ham it up too much. He is. He doesn't be like as the thing from the Fantastic Four says, you know, Um, but uh, and I also like, <laughs> this is so weird, but I like <laughs> the, the spider slayer is falling and the scorpion like grabs the, the bridge. It almost made me feel kind of bad for it for a second because it was like <laughs> hanging off for dear life like, before oh, falling. No. Was, what have yeah, I done? Like, oh, you're trying to save yourself, buddy. I'm sorry. You're hanging for dear life. Yeah. <clears throat> now <laughs> I feel like I need to find the toy just so that I can give it to you. So you can have your own uh... little mini scorpion. Oh yeah, yeah. Cause I it, it's probably cute little. <laughs> oh, sure it is. Yeah, and not with like other things stacked on yeah. top of it. <laughs> other two maybe not so cute little, but this one, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got cute little eyes and his little little circular mouth thing up front. Yeah. Okay. Can we <clears throat> rank them now? Now that we've seen all of them. Yes. I want to rank yes. them. What's your? What's I your I think this is this is with with no strong scientific measurement. I feel like I'm ranking them Black Widow, Scorpion, Tarantula. Yeah, mine would be exactly the same, I think. I think Black Widow for me has the edge simply because we've seen so much more of it, and Scorpion really kind of got shafted in the amount of screen time. Mm-hmm. I think the Black Widow is a better design because it is, it's just like... <clears throat> they're all kind of generic but it's still a little bit more distinct than the tarantula is i think the tarantula's problem is that it's just like so basic you know um, yeah and, and the black widow you know at least it has a pretty pretty like distinct like very clear black widow design to it um and then the scorpion i just i, I think it's just kind of cute <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're all like ugly, but I still think it's cute. <laughs> they're 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 all sort of ugly and generic, but some of them are edited better than others. And so I don't yes. know. Do you watch the Great British Bake Off at all? I I every literally every single person in my life has recommended that show. To me, <laughs> but no, I still okay. have not. <laughs> well, you should. I'm going to be one of those people. But anybody who listen, who watches that show will know what I mean. They they often talk about like if you're going to do something basic, if you're going to do a basic chocolate cake, do it simply, but do it perfectly you know and i feel like the black widow spider slayer is really really simple and it's generic but it's done right whereas like the other two are generic but they they just there's too much decoration they're not edited right so they're generic but they're not tight whereas the black widow is generic but it's like tight 
you know? I agree with that. If that makes any sort of sense. <laughs> no, I, t- I, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, they're very interesting. I am glad we're done with them, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm getting the sense that we're more synced up on these two episodes than I initially thought. Because I think episode two of the series, really, really fun. Much better than I thought. Episode three, I just think is a silly episode. I could do entirely without it. Aside from yeah. a couple establishing moments. Yeah, I almost, I was surprised, like, I almost felt kind of on the edge of boredom with this one. Like, you can really only be but so bored with this show because it moves so quickly, but more than I think I, I would ever be normally with this show, it was just kind of like, okay, can we just get on with it? Yes. Because it's, it's, it, it sort of stops and starts. Like, it starts immediately, and you think it's just going to be, like, a ride the entire through, but then it just kind of holds up in place. Like, as soon as you're kind of amping up tension with, you'd think the climax would be, like, Peter and Jameson strapped to a bomb, but then that just kind of stops, and they're released, and then they're just kind of chasing robots for yeah. a little bit. And they do that like three different times and then and then it's just over. And it's just like, I don't know, there's just not a lot of substance to it, which eh, it, it's this show is so good with how it <clears throat> with how it uses the, the characters and the concepts in Peter's orbit. And this episode really does not use anything very well. It's yeah. almost too straightforward, but not straightforward enough at the same time. I really, really anticipate that this episode, Return of the Spider Slayers, will remain my least favorite episode of the show for a long time. I don't know yeah. what episode will edge it out, if at all. But I bet, you know, we could watch the next handful of episodes and nothing's gonna <laughs> nothing's gonna top it at my <laughs> as my least favorite. But we'll I see. Agree. I, I, I don't agree. think it'll happen, but we'll see. <laughs> I agree. Oh, one little one little thing from that scene too that I that I forgot about. Um, I liked the really succinct like summation of Harry and Peter's relationship at this point. Um, because when he's when um, he's checking on Norman, he's like, I never liked Oswald very much, but I'm happy for Harry's sake. Which yeah. we've seen like no indication that they're friends, but it's a really great like uh, summary of what that relationship it is. Re- relationship is he doesn't really like Osborne, and Osborne's obviously a bad guy, but that that will cause tension later on because Peter and Harry are friends, and Peter cares about Harry. So right. that was a really smart way to just kind of throw that in without having to really deal with it very much. Yeah, and we'll see if that makes more sense when we see the episodes that were probably supposed to happen before this. Oh yeah, good point. Um, good point. But you know. Time will tell. Mm-hmm. We did reference this, but at the end of the episode, Mary Jane appears for that that blind date. <laughs> yes. But not after we see Peter sewing his costume. <laughs> yes. Um, first of all, he's talking out loud about having a secret identity, which... <laughs> no, you say it in your head, Peter. You're supposed to have internal monologues. Yeah, what Why happened to the internal monoto- monologue? What happened? <laughs> I'll make it hear you. <laughs> His, oh God. Okay, so I actually think, <laughs> I think the animation in this episode is, is, is a step up from the second episode. Okay. I, I, I think it's a lot more fluid. And I should also preface this by saying that I know it's like a trend on the internet sometimes to like capture like, um, like the, uh, oh God, what are they called? The smear frames? Yes. Like in between frames of things that are always inherently going to look kind of dumb because um, they're meant to be in between frames. <laughs> These and, like, aren't them, those. <laughs> These aren't those. Like, and like, <laughs> so there's you just found one... some good ones. <laughs> <laughs> these are just like, these, I guess they're sort of the in-between frames, but they're not mm. really like real smear frames. They are, they do hold on these faces that Peter makes while he's sewing for like a second for each. And all of them are drawn just so bizarrely. Like, it's not even like, oh, it's off model. Like, it's just like a, 
I don't understand, like, why they were made, and it doesn't match what he's even saying. Yes. Because he's like, oh, my blind date. And he says that with this dopey smile on his face. Like, oh I completely, no, no. No, he says, I completely forgot with a really dopey smile on his face that doesn't make any sense at all. Go look at this, 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 these four <laughs> images on our Twitter. They're all together. You'll see them. They're so bad. <laughs> so okay. Two of these I hate. One of them I'm terrified of, and one of them I absolutely love so much. Okay. Top left, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Bottom right, I hate it. <laughs> Top right, I'm terrified. It's going to haunt my dreams forever. This is the face of the mask from Scary Movie. Like, that's what that is. <laughs> And then bottom left, I kind of love. This is my favorite face ever. This is like Peter Parker is on Project Runway and somebody else is winning challenge after challenge and Peter is over it. I could totally see <laughs> that one image being a meme. <laughs> Ugh, exactly. <gasps> it's it's shade. Oh, man. My face is like sweating. Like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, well, the last the, the, the last image of of uh, of this quartet of images uh, um, is is Peter looking the face that he makes when he sees Mary Jane and she says her iconic face at Tiger. You just hit the jackpot mm-hmm. line. I appreciate which, that. You know, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's a great way to end the episode. A not great way to end the episode is Peter. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I feel like it looks like something I've seen, but I can't pinpoint what it is. It looks kind of like character in movie who is not human pretending to be human and trying to smile oh yes oh my god it's like it's like uh it's like uh arnold in t2 (laughs) and that scene where he's being taught how to smile Uh, oh my god that's exactly what it is yep yep the lines on peter's face like i i understand why they're there and it would probably look really strange if they weren't there but they just really accentuate how awful this face is. <laughs> it is it is so uncomfortable it is he looks i mean he this this design i already feel like he looks too old for being yeah. like a 19 year old or whatever but just it, the, the face <laughs> makes it even worse those cheekbones man <laughs> it also kind of looks like his little like like rogue hair is like a third eyebrow <laughs> like which oh, God. makes which makes his like sort of weird confused eyebrow situation like even more dramatic i don't know how to... <laughs> it's just really weird <sighs> in episode three we're gonna spend an hour and a half just describing one face i hope you all look forward to it <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness gracious um yeah. yeah so that was return of the spider slayers it's it sure not was. it's it's not the worst thing i've ever seen it is still fun to watch it just is not I, it's it's it sucks that like this early in the show we get we've been set up for great expectations you know the first two episodes are really solid and almost immediately it's just kind of like oh no it's not even it just has like every basic like writerly problem that you would have yeah with an episode and there's not really any explanation for it. it's just weak luckily at this point the only way people are watching the show is sort of through binging so mm. at least at least it has that where like you can just watch this and sl- like smash through it and get on to the next thing but i yeah. can only imagine like waiting a week and then getting this episode <laughs> God, i know right and i guess like 
if you're just watching, yeah, if you're just binging it too, like I feel like you wouldn't notice a lot of the things that we notice, yeah. obviously, because we're digging through it. But I do think it's it always feel a little bit off. But then it's like, okay, well, that was a, a an off one, but I'm on to the next one, you know. Yeah. Um, it just only gets worse the more you look at it. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, any other final thoughts about these two? interesting episodes um i don't know that i have much more to say other than two out of three ain't bad so far you know oh yeah oh yeah yeah um i'd still say night of the lizard is my favorite out of the ones that we've watched so far Mm -hmm. but really more just because of its kind of brilliance and simplicity i still really like the spider slayer a lot like so much more than i expected yes yes and i think i i like it each more each time i watch it so so far i mean yeah it's it's one two three one two three i mean well that's two more episodes of uh, Spider-Man the Animated Series, and we're not stopping anytime soon, y'all. Nope. Next week, we're going to dive into Dr. Octopus. I'm going to have to contain myself. We're probably both going to have to contain ourselves because uh-huh. Dr. Octopus is just too good for one episode, but we're going to do it. Yeah, yeah, we're going to yeah, keep yeah, ourselves yeah, in yeah. control. So We have we... some fun things we plan to talk about with that one. Yes. So look forward to that. In the meantime, Derek, where can people find you? Sure thing. You can find me on the Twitter webs. Um, <laughs> I am at Derek B. Gale, D-E-R-E-K-B-G-A-Y-L-E. Uh, you should also check out my YouTube show. It's a video essay series called Second Chance. Um, I only have a couple episodes on there now, but one of them is on Spider-Man 3, so that is relevant to what we're talking about. Um, the show itself just talks about media that's considered bad or divisive and trying to look at it with a positive lens. What about you? You can find me also on Twitter, but at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. Um, and if you are into Pokemon stuff, uh, you can also find me on Victory Road, which is a Pokemon podcast. Um, we post, uh, you know, anywhere from an episode to a few episodes every month, covering anything from the show to games to movies, anything we feel like talking about. Um, and you can listen to that over on the Four Eyed Radio Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome. You can follow Walloping Web Snappers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod, or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. And we'd also love it if you could support us on Patreon as well. Yeah. And don't miss a new episode in two weeks when we tackle the very first appearance of Doc Ock in the 90s animated series. Pause for a second. Maybe not literally. I just realized I'm using my headphone mic.